thank you for being here on Action Ministry Sunday. I'm still trying to figure out how I'm supposed to follow Ty opening us up in prayer and Caroline singing that beautiful song. That was amazing, but I'm going to try to because uh, we only have about 20 minutes to open the Word, so I'm going to do my best. If you know me, uh, I'm a man of few words, not really, and so I'm going to do my best. <laughs> In 20 minutes, but, uh, but we'll, you know, you'll bear with me, I'm sure. You're a very forgiving church family, and so uh, we're going to go through this together. Well, last week, uh, our associate pastor, Ben Stokes, opened up the Word, and he looked at the story that God is writing, the narrative throughout history that God has written, and our role and finding our role in that story. And so I hope that you know that story. If you don't, let's talk about that story. God created the world perfectly. He created us to be in relationship with him and to have close relationship, but it didn't take man long to mess that up. And he chose his own convenience and his own way and his own happiness over God's good and right plan. And so he fell, and God's relationship with man was broken. But God had a plan. Even from the beginning, he knew man was able to mess things up. And so he had a plan to send his son to take the penalty for our sin. His son lived a sinless life. Jesus lived a sinless life on earth. He died on the cross taking our punishment. And he said that if you believe in your heart that he died and rose again and you confess with your mouth that he is Lord and the king of your life, that you can be saved. And by saved, we mean brought back into right relationship only through Jesus. And finally, that one day, Jesus will come again to judge the living and the dead, and that you will either be found in your sin and take on your own punishment, or you will be found in Christ, and he will have taken your punishment, and you will be back together with Jesus. If that's something that you have never heard before, or that you have never made a decision to do, then I invite you to join that story that Ben Stokes talked about yesterday. That is something that I will never get on this stage and preach and not give you the opportunity to respond to. But if you are a believer, what is your role? And as we look at Action Ministry Sunday, what is the church's role in coming alongside every believer to help them find their, uh, that identity in Christ and that calling that he has put on their lives and to fulfill that? And so I want to look at one specific character in the Bible, in God's story, of Moses. So we're going to be in uh, Exodus chapter 4 today. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you, or I'm sure you could have one on your phone as well. So Exodus chapter 4. If you know anything about Moses, you're probably familiar with him and his experience with the burning bush, which is where we're going to pick it up today. But Moses was the son of a Hebrew slave in a time that it was not a good time to be a Hebrew baby. They were being uh, slaughtered, especially the boys, um, so that they would not be a threat to the king, the Pharaoh uh, there in Egypt. But Moses' mother took care of him by uh, crafting a plan to help the Pharaoh's daughter find Moses, to raise him as his own. So he grew up Egyptian, not just Egyptian, but in a royal household, until he messed that up by killing an Egyptian who was threatening uh, another Hebrew or fighting with a Hebrew. And so he had to flee to Midian. And so he was in Midian or thereabout when he came in contact with a bush that was on fire but was not burning up. And so he thought, well, that doesn't seem right. Usually bushes that are on fire burn up, so I'll go check this out. And then God spoke to Moses. So in Exodus chapter 4, 
verse 10, we pick up with after Moses has started talking to God, he's arguing with God, which is never a great idea, and Moses says this in verse 10 of chapter 4. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. And then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, O my Lord, please send someone else. And then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be your mouth and with his mouth, and he will teach both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him, and take in your hands this staff with which you shall do the signs. So, if you haven't read this story before, this isn't the first time that Moses talks back to God, right? This is actually the fourth of five times that Moses talks back to God. The first time he says, who am I? I, I shouldn't be the one you're choosing. There's, there's better choices. The second time he says, what if they don't believe that you sent me? The third time he says, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? And then this fourth time he says, I'm not eloquent. I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. Now, there's a lot of views and a lot of ideas of what Moses meant by slow of speech and slow of tongue. The view that I think probably makes the most sense with the context is that Moses had some sort of speech impediment. He had some sort of, of speaking uh, disability. I think that because uh, God's response when Moses says, I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue, is to say, who made your mouth? Who makes people blind or deaf or mute, right? He goes to other disabilities. So I think it makes sense to believe that when Moses says he's slow of speech and slow of tongue, that he's talking about some kind of disability. But whatever Moses is talking about, he feels inadequate in some way. There is something about Moses that feels inadequate to do what God has called him to do. And so Moses lived in a culture in Egypt and in the Hebrew culture where there were people who were in and there were people who were out, who were less than. And so Moses had to live in that in multiple ways. If you weren't Egyptian in Egypt, you were out. You were less than. You weren't an Egyptian, and so you were less than. And so that's why the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, could say, all Hebrew babies, slaughter them, because they were seen as less than. Does that sound like a culture you have heard of before? Um, it, it's not very different from the culture that Jesus found himself in when he was a baby, right? It was a culture that said, anyone who I deem different than me, anyone who I deem to be a threat to my convenience or my life is less than and therefore worthy of casting to the side. Our culture says that anyone who is different than us, who challenges our happiness or our ability to live life as we choose to, can be cast aside. It's not only acceptable, 
It's encouraged in many cases. And the church has to be a different culture. The church has to stand in the gap and say that all men and women are created in the image of God and they are worthy of our, uh, of our praise and our love. And so we stand in the gap. And so today, as we look at Special Needs Awareness Sunday, I want us to look at how the church and how you as an individual believer can stand in the gap for a, a, a group that is sometimes overlooked. And we uh, at Harmony Hill are blessed to be a part of a church that has not and does not overlook all believers in, uh, in the faith of God. And so just as Caroline just so wonderfully sang, uh, in Psalm 139, we know that it says, You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know them very well. And so our main purpose today, and you see this in your outline, our main purpose today is to look in, uh, in Exodus 4 at God designs every human being uniquely with an identity and a calling and provides community in, through, uh, through, in and through which to live out and accomplish them. And so that first term, we said identity, calling, and community. We're going to look at our identity and Moses' identity, where it came from. You see in verse 17, God told Moses in chapter 4, verse 17, take in your hands this staff with which you shall do the signs. He's referring back to in the, the early part of that chapter in verses 1 through 5, uh, God gave Moses three signs by which to show the people, God really sent you and you're worthy of being listened to. And all of those signs, God is saying the staff is the key to those things working. Now, God in verses 1 through 5 asks Moses, what's that in your hand? And Moses said, it's a staff. And he tells him to throw the staff on the ground. It becomes a snake. We're familiar with this. He does this with Pharaoh. Now, where did the staff come from? Did God give the staff or did Moses bring that with him? Moses brought that staff, right? This is a part of Moses. This is part of Moses' identity. Many times in biblical culture, a staff would function in the way that a passport might function for us. A staff was crafted to the person who carried it. It was part of their identity. They would see the staff and they would say, oh, that's Moses' staff, right? It's, a, it's an idea of leadership. It represents Moses. It's why the staff ends up in the Ark of the Covenant later. It is an identity marker of Moses. And so Moses brought with him part of an identity. He brought with him his past of growing up as a Hebrew slave turned Egyptian, turned outlaw uh, Hebrew slave again. He was marked by a past, and he was marked by his staff. That was his identity. And so you see a truth there in your outline. The truth is we bring our own personality, our preferences, habits, etc., but these are part of our identity. But identity finds wholeness only in God. We bring many things with us. We bring pasts. We bring past sin. We bring past hurt. We may bring disability or different abilities, but our identity is given by God. 
and it is made whole only in God. You have an identity. If you're here today and you're apart from Christ, you still have an identity. You have a past. You're bringing that with you. But your identity will never find wholeness or completion outside of God. Moses had to learn this the hard way. And many of us have to learn that the hard way too. This is another point of contention with our culture who says that I get to decide my identity, that my identity is whole because I identify the way that I identify and you can't tell me how I identify. God says differently. He says, you bring a past. I give you wholeness. I give direction and definition to your identity and it's only in me that you find that. And so God takes ordinary imperfect and, uh, people and brings wholeness to their identity. Moses could not accomplish what God was about to call him to on his own. His identity and his personality, his habits, and even his strengths were not enough to accomplish what he was going to call Moses to. But he needed a whole identity first. We can actually see this in God appearing to Moses in a burning bush. A bush in biblical times was sometimes used to, uh, to illustrate or to, uh, to symbolize people, a people or a, uh, or a culture. And so a bush could, in, could, could mean a people or a culture, and God chose to indwell that bush with his fire. Fire is usually the illustration that God uses for himself. And so the burning bush is one of maybe the first pictures we have of God choosing to indwell his people as he lives in the heart of his people. He was going to indwell the Hebrew, the Israelite people. They were the people he was choosing for himself. And so he gives Moses, uh, the, the big number two there you see in your outline, his calling. Moses' identity has been made whole. God now is giving him his calling. And it is a holy calling. It's beyond what Moses can do. But in God's economy, Moses being the choice in his identity, even in his disability, was the perfect choice because, the second truth you see in your outline there, God does not call any qualified person because no one is qualified to represent and work on behalf of God. God is the qualifier. God doesn't call anyone that's qualified. If he was, I wouldn't be your missions pastor because I'm not qualified to, to lead out our church and lead our church in sending uh, to uh, the places that we have here in, in the United States and beyond. I'm not qualified to lead our sent ones. No one is qualified to represent God. If you believe that you are, then maybe go back to humility and start there. We are not qualified to do a work that only God can do. You can't bring one single believer to faith in Christ. Only he can do that. And so in Exodus 3.10, we see the initial calling of, of God on Moses. You can flip there if you want, but here's what happens. God calls Moses to go and free. He says, I've seen the pain of the Israelites, and I want them to be free. And Moses' initial response, immediate response is, who am I that I should go? I would, I would actually say that God didn't get angry when Moses did that because that's the correct response when God calls you to go and free a people from a nation. Who am I that I should be the one to go? Now, he messed up by, by continuing to argue with God because God's response to him is, I'll be with you. 
Now, God doesn't say, well, you know, you've got these character qualities. Get out your resume. Let me show you. You've been to seminary. You're qualified. He says, no, I'll be with you. That's his response. Moses says, who am I to go? God's response is, you're nobody, but I'm sending you. I'm God. I'll be with you. And so every subsequent objection of Moses, God reminds him not who Moses is, but who God is. Is. And so the conclusion there is, of course you're not capable of doing what God has called you to do with your life. God is capable, and that is enough. And so the application now then for us is we know that every single believer in our body has an identity in Christ and a calling, a God-ordained calling from him to go and to accomplish things, to be the church. That's every believer. If you came here thinking you could sit in a seat and you'd fulfilled your calling, you're wrong. I'm sorry. You have a calling of God that he's called you to do. But here's the good news. Point number three, community. And the truth that you see about community there is the community of God, the church, stands in the gap for every believer to help them live out and accomplish their identity and calling in order that every believer may advance God's kingdom. So the community of God is the church. You, if you are part of the church, and by that I mean you are a believer in Christ, you, have, uh, you are a part of this church, you are called to walk alongside, to stand in the gap with every believer to help everyone live out their identity and accomplish their calling. And so that means every believer. That means that, that when we're celebrating special needs awareness month or not, every believer has an identity and a calling to fulfill, and you can walk alongside. You've probably noticed by now that we're saying stand in the gap a lot. That's uh, something that we're going to explore more in the fall, but that's something that our leadership feels that is important. And it's important not because it's something we want to do in the, in the future. It's something we've already been doing in the past. And one of the major milestones of that or, or illustrations of that is our action special needs awareness uh, ministry that we have. And so you'll see on the shirts that a lot of, uh, of people are wearing this morning, the blue shirts, there's a bridge and a foot there standing in the gap for those who uh, have special needs, who are different, who do have different abilities, and who have different um, needs. And so we want to stand in the gap in our community to value every single person who is made in the image of God. We stand in the gap between a culture that seeks to define others as different or less than, and we say, you have a God-given identity that finds wholeness in Christ. You have a God-ordained calling that can only be accomplished when every believer comes together to accomplish it and when God comes through us and works in us to accomplish that calling. And so none of us are capable of doing this alone. Moses didn't feel capable. God could have used Moses alone. He could have worked through Moses. He could have accomplished it through Moses. God, uh, Moses did not need Aaron. That's why uh, God was so angry that Moses kept pushing this. But God, in his kindness and in his grace, gave Moses Aaron. He gave him what, what the, the action uh, ministry would call a buddy, a person who comes alongside and helps that person do what they can do on their own and what God can do through them. 
But because we care about them, we think about them, and we love them, we come alongside to help them see their own abilities and to understand their own identity. There's an illustration of this that I heard recently. It was actually used at uh, the high school camp that our high schoolers went to, and I didn't go, but my wife uh, made me aware of it, and it was really a really cool story. There's a man, he's 24 years old, his name is Chris Nickich. I don't know if we have a picture of him or we had some, uh, some uh, technical difficulties, but um, he is a 24-year-old. He was born with Down syndrome. He had open-heart surgery when he was five years old. He couldn't even walk until he was four, but he had a goal. He wanted to become the first Down syndrome person to complete a full Ironman triathlon. I don't know if you're familiar with an Ironman triathlon and what that entails, so I'll just give you the ideas. It has to be, you have to first swim 2.4 miles. That's a long swim. Uh, It's hard for me to get across the pool. 2.4 miles swimming. And then you ride a bike for 112 miles. So you've just swam 2.4 miles, you ride a bike for 112 miles, and then you run a full marathon. That's 26.2 miles. Now, Chris at 24, open heart surgery at five, didn't walk till four. He began to exercise and to move one step at a time, building his pl- towards his plan of competing in the Ironman. And so he started training and he worked towards this goal. This was in 2021. In 2021, Chris Nickich took part in the Ironman Triathlon, and he had a guide, what we would call a buddy, a man who ran next to him, who, uh, if you could, oh, you can see him there, okay, this is uh, Chris on the left, obviously, and his guide uh, with the, the, the green on there, you can see they're tethered to each other. That's, you can see, though, that Chris is leading the way. He's not being pulled along by his guide. He's being run next to. And so uh, the guide's name there is Dan Grebe, and he's running with him. Now, it's important to know, Dan was the guide, the buddy. He was running alongside. He didn't do any of the work for Chris. Chris had to train just like any other athlete. He had to do all of the events like every other athlete. I think, I don't know if we have the picture of him swimming, um, but he did these things. He did all of it. Chris just did it by his side, which says Chris is able to do all of the things that Iron Man required of him. And everything that Iron Man required, Chris did. And so simply Dan was there to coach him, to encourage him, and to push him forward, to tell him, you're doing it. This is what we've got to do next. This is the best way to do it. Hey, maybe you're running this way, but if you run this way, you'll get there better. Those things were what Dan offered, but Chris did the work. And then I think maybe we have the video of Chris and the, uh, the final, maybe we don't. Oh, there it is. There's Chris running across the final finish line, finishing the Ironman with, with Dan and bring a little bit of his own personality right there. <laughs> Dan telling him, get down. And then pointing at the sign. And Dan's words to him there as you see him pointing at the sign is, you did that. That's what you did. You accomplished that. Dan didn't accomplish that. Dan is an Ironman triathlete too. He has accomplished the Ironman as well. But Chris 
accomplished his goal. That's what it looks like, can look like, for the church to come alongside every believer and help them understand their identity in Christ and their calling given from God. This is a world calling to try the Ironman triathlon. And I'm glad because if it was a spiritual calling of every believer, whew, that'd be hard. <laughs> I'd do it, but it'd be hard. But that wasn't enough for Chris. Chris, since then, has, crea- uh, has finished the New York Marathon twice. He's done another Ironman in Hawaii. Maybe it's a little easier in Hawaii. I don't know. You've got pretty things. And in 2023, his goal is to complete all six of the world marathon majors in New York, Chicago, Boston, London, and Berlin. He's going to complete them all this year. And so that's a physical example. It's not a spiritual one. But what a picture of what the community of God looks like. It must look like amazing from heaven to watch our buddies come alongside our action ministry uh, students and believers and, and, and coach them, encourage them, and walk alongside them, help them realize what they are capable of because God is working in and through them. What a picture. But here's a better picture, an actual believer from, from Harmony Hill who has come to, her, her daughter's name is Alexis, she came to Harmony Hill only because a friend told her, hey, you should come. Alexis has a place. There's an action ministry that she can get plugged into, and you can get plugged into too. So she came. She joined. Because Alexis was loving church and hates missing church, she was able to plug into a life group. Her life group is serving in our children's ministry, all because she was able to come as a parent and be involved in our church. If you are a, a parent of a special need kid, you know our parents of, of, of children with special needs, they become doctors without a degree. They have to know the things that doctors would know. They have to care for their kids and, and know uh, when things are happening that they need to intervene. They become lawyers without a law degree or a law office because they have to, they have to advocate for their child. It's exhausting to, to have to do all those things on your own. But the, the great thing about Harmony Hill is that we have the opportunity to come alongside parents as well and help them to be able to plug in to a church and be involved in the church, to experience the church themselves. And not only that, but also their children to be able to, to be thought of and, thought, and, and loved uh, as well. And so here's what Alexis said. The action class, or Alexis's mother has said, the action class has helped Alexis so much. She has made a lot of friends that are very special to her and to me. She loves going to church. I couldn't ask for a better church family for me and my girls. If Alexis misses, she's sad. She has learned a lot about God and wants to learn more and open up with her skills that she's blessed with. Action buddies are wonderful people that teach the word to our babies so that they can understand. Thank you so much for what you have done in Alexis's life and what you continue to do. So that's one testimony of a family uh, who has been able to plug in here at Harmony Hill because of the action ministry and what we have here on the Hill. Now, you're probably thinking, 
How do I get involved in the action ministry? I hope you're thinking that. There's actually a table outside in the lobby, uh, and you will see uh, people there at the table that can explain this. Here's a few, just a few ideas of how you can get. If you can't be a buddy in a classroom, that's okay. We do respite care for families. We have lots of opportunities for you to get involved in whatever way you're able to with your time, even if it's just coming alongside a family and providing a meal to them, or caring for them, or knowing who our families who, uh, who are dealing with these things are, so that you can love them and be grateful that they're here with us. And so um, our main purpose today, and you saw that at the beginning of your outline, was God designs every human being uniquely with an identity and a calling, and provides community in and through which to live out and accomplish them. And so I hope that you see how you as every believer, we are n- none of us are able to accomplish. We are all unable to accomplish what God has called and who he has called us to be. But and that's why we have life groups and biblical community to come alongside and walk with each other in all of these things. And so a few concluding questions, and you see them there in your outline. Number one, is your identity whole? Are you in Christ? If you're not, your identity is not whole. You don't wholly know who you are or who you've created to be. So is your identity whole? If your identity is whole, then second question, what are you called to? You have a calling on your life. There are some general callings of every believer, namely tell others about their, how their identity can be whole and love others and stand in the gap. Uh, for others and come alongside. What are you called to? And what are you specifically called to? A ministry in our church where you can serve, a life group where you can be poured into. What are you called to? And number three, who are you walking alongside as a buddy? In our action ministry, we call the people who walk alongside our action ministry uh, students buddies. Who are you walking alongside? In the action ministry, in your family, with your children, in your life group, in a, in a discipleship group? Who are you invested in? And who's investing in you? You need a buddy as much as anyone else does. Amen. And how can you be a buddy and walk alongside others to grow them in their identity and helping them find their calling and helping them accomplish that calling? And so I hope that you will, uh, as we finish today, that you'll visit that um, action Uh, booth outside to see how you can get involved there. And I hope you'll find how you can find a buddy and and be involved here on the hill. So thank you for being here this morning. I'm sorry that I went over on time a little bit. You'll have grace, I'm sure. But this was an important, uh, I think an important uh, truth for us to unpack there in Exodus 4. Let me pray for us. Um, And then after I pray so that I don't forget The children's building will be open. If you would like to tour it, you can do that starting now. It is an incredible, I mean, it's been a long time coming, but it is an incredible uh, thing that we have for our children there. And then you can check out the action ministry room over there as well. So let me pray for us, and then we will be dismissed. Father, I thank you that you are a God who didn't have to, but you came alongside us, and you loved us when we were running away from you. We were anything but looking for a buddy in you, a relationship with you, but you loved us enough to die on the cross for our sin. And so, others, we accept your identity that you've given us, and we find your calling. I pray that we would run alongside others, and you would help us to be a buddy to other believers. 
And we thank you that we are a church who stands in the gap for those who sometimes feel pushed aside or unthought of. And we thank you that, that this church and you um, before us loved those people and created them in the womb. And so we thank you for that. We thank you for being our God. And we thank you for Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.